Hey, thanks so much for being here. This is My City Church, and this is our podcast. We hope you are inspired to love God, love people, and lead in life. Enjoy the message. Come on, who's ready for the Word of God this morning? Hey, if you're ready, God's going to speak to you today. Open your hands and receive it today. God is ready to speak to you. Hope that you're ready to receive this morning. Got a powerful word for you today. We're going to be talking about in the last week of the Church IC series, we're going to be talking about the moments of revival. So if you're taking notes in here, write that down, the moments of revival. Got a great word to share with you guys today. We're going to be sharing out of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. If you have your Bible, you can open up there. But before we jump there, I want to preference that everyone in life is in a different season. No matter where you're at in life, no matter if you came here for the first time or you've been coming here since we started four years ago, or if you've been a Christian for 50 years, you profess to follow Jesus, or maybe you were saved last week, or maybe you are saved earlier this week to follow Jesus, give your life over to Jesus. No matter where you are in life, we're all in different seasons. Whether parenting, having a bunch of kids, running around, newly married, dating, whatever it may be, still living with your parents. For some of us, that qualifies if you're 15 or if you're 30. I don't know what it is nowadays. No, who knows? <laughs> Wherever you're at in life, we all come into church with different seasons in mind. We all have different struggles, different things going on. And what I want to preface today is that you ultimately control your season. I love Nebraska because we experience all four seasons every year. How many born and raised here do we have in the room today? Born and raised Nebraska, you bleed red. Everyone else, they must just bleed purple or blue or something like that. You know, we bleed red here in Nebraska. <laughs> Also for the Huskers, you know, everyone. (sighs) But I love Nebraska because you experience all four seasons. You got summer, fall, winter, spring, and sometimes you only get two weeks of fall and spring before it goes right into winter or it goes right into summer. But understand today that in life you have different seasons. You have fall, winter, spring, proverbially, whatever it may be, metaphorically, you have seasons in your life. But I want to I tell you today that no matter what season is going on around you, greater is he that is in you than what comes against you. That you ultimately carry the temperature of your season. So if what is going around you is really hot around, your heart can still be cool. Or if what is going around you is really cold, your heart can still be warm. That ultimately you control the season and the, ther- the temperature that you carry in life. And I want to talk to you guys today on this moments of revival out of 2 Corinthians chapter 5. How many of you guys brought your Bibles today? Lift it up in the air so I can see it. If it's on your phone, that's fine. That's great. It's important to read your Bible. Read your Bible each and every week. If you don't have a Bible, you can go to Amazon. You can buy them. It's the most popular book ever sold. You can also go on your phone. You can download a free app called YouVersion. Pick up a Bible reading plan. Just get into it. Maybe it just be a maybe it just be a few verses a day. Maybe it be five minutes, ten minutes, whatever it may be. What I know is that is that you can build your life off the Word of God, and God speaks through the Word of God. If you want to hear God's voice, how about you read what He's already said? And what I know about reading the Word of God is that it makes me steady. One of the things people talk about my wife Kelly and I is that how consistent we are, and how steady we are. And what I've known about that is that we build our life off the Word of God. So no matter what storm comes against us, you know, the winds may come, the rains may come, but the house will remain because it's built on a firm foundation, and that foundation is the Word of God. So if you ever feel like you got storms going around in your life, 
get grounded in his word. Build that foundation in his word. And you'll find that you'll find that as the word of God becomes your foundation, that it doesn't matter what comes against you. You know that Jesus holds my today and he also holds my tomorrow. So I don't need to worry about what tomorrow may hold because I know who holds it. But we're gonna be sharing out of 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14. This is Paul, he's writing to the church at Corinth. And the church in Corinth has some issues. This is actually, although it's called 2 Corinthians, it's actually, many scholars believe that it's his third letter to the Corinthians. We don't know what happened in number two. We feel like it may have gotten lost, but uh, I digress. This is 2 Corinthians. He's writing to a church that has some issues. And some of the issues that they have, they have uh, uh, men marrying their stepmothers. They have people who profess to follow Jesus, but they're still living pretty actively within sin. And he's basically telling them, guys, this isn't right. You know, I understand what's going on. I understand the culture and the upbringing and what has happened. But I'm telling you that you, you don't forsake the freedom of Christ to indulge in your sinful nature. But understand today that, I un that God understands your propensity to go back to what you knew. And so Paul's trying to, trying to help them say, hey, I know where you're at, and it's okay, but that's not where you're supposed to stay. And so let me encourage you today through 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Paul's writing to the church. He says, for Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died. And he died for all, that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and has, was raised again. He's talking about Jesus, that Jesus died for everyone. Jesus died to set people free and that we no longer live for ourselves, but we live for him. It's verse 16. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. This is what he's talking about, is that no matter who I see, no matter who I see in life, I'm not looking at them through a physical lens. Although I see flesh around you, I'm not looking at you from a worldly point of view. I'm looking at you and I'm seeing your spirit inside of you. You have a body around you, but ultimately you have a spirit and a soul. And the moment you accept Jesus into your heart, your spirit comes alive. Your spirit what was dead into sin. The moment you ask Jesus into your heart and you say, Jesus, I'm going to follow you, your spirit gets a spark inside of it. And it's a little spark to begin with. And you got to learn how to fan into flame. you got to learn how to feed your spirit so that it can, you can walk and run and all that God has for you. That's what Paul's talking about. Is I'm not looking at you through a physical lens. I'm not looking at you through a physical Although I see you and I see your flesh around you, ultimately what I'm looking at is a spirit that's inside you. A spirit that can be transformed. That it was once dead, but is now alive. He doesn't look at it from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, he's saying, we used to see Jesus as just this man. We do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. He's talking about anyone that has chosen to follow Christ. Although what was dead and what once was, anyone that is in Christ is a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ Jesus and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Pause right here. Paul is talking about God reconciling us to him through Jesus Christ and that what we could not do, Jesus did for us. That he came for us, he died for us, he rose for us so that we can rise and we can connect with God once again because sin separated us from God. And he's saying God has reconciled us to him and gave us, us being the church, the people that follow Jesus, the ministry of reconciliation. Well, what's that mean? Let's go to the next verse, find out. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins, 
sins against them. And everyone said, amen. Not counting men's sins against them. That's humanity's sins. And he has committed to us, this is the church, the message of, message of reconciliation. That's our message. To go out into the world and reconcile what was separated and bring reconciliation to a relationship that was separated. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us to the people that need him. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. So now he's talking to the people that are already reconciled to be reconciled to God, but then also to be the ambassadors of God. God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Paul is talking about a lot of things here, and I feel like it's important to understand some of the context of what he's talking about. He's talking to people that have a propensity, although they acknowledge Jesus and they choose to follow Jesus, they're having a propensity to step back into what they've known. They have a propensity to step back into what they used to be, to go back to their old. The Bible talks about as a dog returns to his vomit. It's, it's, it's a metaphor as, as although I've been set free from something, I have a tendency to go back to that which I have set free from. We all have some kind of issues. We all have something in our lives, uh, some kind of, some kind of t uh, tendency to go back to something that we don't want to do. It's, you know, I know that's not good or I know that's wrong, but I don't know what it is. Can I tell you, I want to be able to talk about that thing. What is that thing that makes us want to just kind of keep going back and, and dipping our toes back into that? And in life, when we're talking about, when we're talking about the, the, the moments of revival as a church and as a people, I don't want to be people that just go through the moments but I want to be people that maximize our moments. I don't want to be people that just go through the motions in life. I don't want to just go through the motions, the mundane, each and every day. We'll go to work, wake up, eat some food, go home, watch TV, fall asleep, repeat it all over again day after day. I don't want to go through the motions in life. But understand today that if we're going to talk about the moments of revival, that you carry revival. If you're a follower of Jesus and you profess Jesus as your Savior, you carry revival wherever you go. Wherever you go, you can, if you want, to carry revival wherever you go. Everywhere, in a grocery store, in a workplace, in the gym, in, 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 the, in the park, uh, any kind of sporting event that you go to, at the Husker game. And how many know that uh, even people at a Husker game need Jesus, especially this year? <laughs> people need Jesus all around you each and every day. And we're talking about the moments of revival, but what I found is that as a, as a church, we tend to disqualify ourselves for being able to carry revival. And what it is is that the moment we're saved, sometimes we step back into the thing that we were saved from. And this is the beauty of Jesus is, is that when, when the disciples came into Jesus, Jesus knelt down, he got on his knee, and he started washing the disciples' feet. And Peter comes up to Jesus and he says, Jesus, Lord, how about you just wash all of me? And Jesus says to Peter, and he goes, I don't need to wash all of you. I just need to wash your feet. Understand the picture that Jesus is saying today, that when you're saved, you're saved, but you're still walking through the world. And you tend to get dirty. And we gotta be able to bring ourselves to Jesus and let him wash our feet, because he says, if I do not do this, I have no place in you. Because I don't, it's not that I need to set you free and save you all over again, but I understand that we step into sin sometimes. And we get back into 
sin sometimes. And wherever you're at in life, understand that God, God met you right where you were at. God met you in your, in your lonely places, your darkest places, your, your deepest of need. God met you right where you're at. In your questioning, in your difficulties, God is the one that stepped down and said, I see you. I see where you're at. You didn't work your way back to God. You didn't do all these things to get your way to God. No, no, no. God came to you. God came to us. God came to me. He bent down and he picked me up out of that miry clay. Understand that God saves you right where you're at, but he loves you too much to leave you there. Because we're talking about a journey. We're talking about progress. And what I've seen in Christians is that the moment that they're saved, they tend to disqualify themselves because they're not just like Jesus. They're not fully holy like God. And they're not living, breathing, uh, walking, talking, everything just like Jesus. And this is how what I feel like God wants to say to his church and his people today, that I value progress, not perfection. It's about progress, not perfection. Progress in your life, in your relationship with God. Progress in your pursuit, in your, in your desire after God. It's not about living up to all these do's and don'ts and, well, Pastor Eli, just tell me what I need to do to be a Christian. Just tell me what it looks like. If I told you what it looks like, looked like, then it would all be about, be about your, what, what you're, how you're living. It would all be about what you see. It would all be about your tradition. It would all be about the traditions of man rather than your transformation of Christ. And we're called to live not by the traditions of man, not by the traditions of a man, but by a transformation in Christ. Because I could tell you some things, well, this is what you don't do, and this is what you do. And you could abstain from all those things and do everything that was right and still not know Jesus. You could stay away from all that stuff and choose, well, this is the right path, but still not know Jesus. And as a church and as a people, and we live in a day and age, where everyone has a part of them that they don't want anyone else to see. I mean, if you relate, I'll just relate with you. <laughs> this is me. There's a part of me that I don't want anyone else to see. Ultimately, you know you. You know who you are. And we've learned how to put up guards, to put up barriers. And, and this is prevalent in our, social, in our social media world where you see all these things being posted on Instagram. How many of you guys on the gram nowadays? Huh? On the gram? Is that, is that how you say it, right, T. Kirk? Yeah, that's how the guys are saying it nowadays on the gram. But we see all these perfect pictures of people, but we don't ever see the 25 pictures that it took to, to find the right one. Darren, you're a photographer, and Darren's in the back there. Darren, how many photos do you go through to find that right one? I would assume thousands you take at weddings. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, if I say no, then it doesn't make a point. Good answer goes through thousands of photos just to find that right perfect one. And what we've learned is to, to do is to present that perfect one of who we are to the world out of the risk of being known. So we learn how to build this perception of perfection of who we are to the world, but we don't ever want to be seen for who we are because to be seen means to be known, and to be known means to possibly be found out and being found out carries the possibility and the fear of being to be believed of who we already believe that we already are. So we've learned to put up a front of who we are to the world. And I wanted to tell you today that God wants to use that broken side. God wants to use that imperfect side. Because when we go to the world and we say, this is who I am, that I'm perfect, I got it all put together. 
then why do you need Jesus? And what we do is that we disqualify ourselves because of something that we were, something that we've done. So we don't feel like we can actually walk in all that Jesus has for us. We don't feel like we can do all that God has called us to do because we think, well, one day when, then I'll be able to be used by God. One day when, then, I'll, then God could say, once God saved me, yeah, he saved me, but I still got all this stuff and I don't know if God can use that. So I'm just gonna learn how to hide it. And as Christians, the, the further we get along, the better we get at hiding it. And God's saying, I wanna use that. But what we do is, the way we let God use it is we actually disqualify ourselves and we don't even let God use us. And I wanna speak to this idea of, I felt like God was saying that do not disqualify yourself for something that I have qualified you for. Do not disqualify yourself for something I have qualified you for. And I got this message basically because I saw an Instagram post I love it if I can find a message from an Instagram post. And what it was is these two Christians with these bubbles over their heads, and it was it, they had shirts on, and one said fake Christian, and the other one said real Christian. And the one with the fake Christian, his shirt, his bubble above his head said that Christians will never not stop sinning, that they'll always have a thing where there's they're some kind of sin and God saves us in our sin, which, yeah, and then you have the guy that's the real Christian, quote unquote, real Christian in his head. Well, what do you say about the Jesus when he said to the prostitute, go away and sin no more? And then the next slide was a, the fake Christian with a profound look on his face. Like, I never thought about that. But I wanted to take a moment to talk about this a little bit. What does it mean? What does it mean to follow Jesus but still have some shortcomings? Because what I find is that one doesn't ever speak to the truth of the matter. It's like, yeah, we're broken people and we still need Jesus. And that's okay if we keep falling. But it's not, I'm not saying sin's okay. I'm not saying we keep dabbling in that. But at the same time, don't let it disqualify you from following Jesus. But at the same time, there's one that's all truth. And it just talks about, well, if you keep sinning, then you're not really following Jesus. So you're not even worthy of Jesus. And it's not relatable to people. I would say 99% of the people within this world, it's not even relatable. And I was trying to make sense of this with some Bible verses. I was like, there's plenty of Bible verses that talk about this, but the real Christians, quote unquote, tend to ignore them. So we're gonna talk about one here in 1 John chapter 1, verse eight. John's talking to the, to the people and he says, if we claim, he's talking present tense, present tense, if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So when you're going through life, understand that if it was all dependent upon you, then you did not need Jesus. Are you using Jesus? What we do is we use Jesus as a crutch. Okay, well now that I'm good, now I can fulfill everything without Jesus. So I'm gonna walk in my life, I'm gonna walk through my life as if I don't even need Jesus anymore. And what I found is that as, the, as we go through life, the world doesn't wanna see your progress. They wanna see the product. They wanna see that finished product. You don't wanna see what was going on behind the scenes. But what I found out is that God loves to use what is behind the scenes. Understand this today and be set free by the fact to understand that there, to go through life thinking that there will be another version of you that God will like more, that God will love more, is to negate the very grace that he came to give you. 
to think that there will be one day a better version of yourself that God will like more, a better version that he will love more, is to negate the very grace that he gave you. Because if he reached down to save you where you were at, do you think for a moment that he did not know where you were going to be? Did you think for a moment that he didn't count the cost? Yeah, you know what? I'm gonna pay the price for you, but I don't know what you're gonna do a few years from now, but you know what? I'm gonna pay for the price. Hey, we'll, we'll just see what you do. No. He counted the cost before he died for you. He counted the cost before he raised you because he knew you have a propensity to step back into things that you have no business dealing with. And he paid the price for you yesterday. And to think that something that you did today disqualified yourself from receiving his grace tomorrow. He paid the price for you yesterday, not your yesterday. Not just your tomorrow, but also your today. God knew what you were going to do. And he died for you anyways. God knew what you were going to do, and he died for you anyways. Understand this today, that Jesus did not come to require righteousness. He came to enable it. He came to enable a right standing with God. And I want to share just a little bit about what Paul was talking about in the books of Romans about, you know, I, I want to follow Jesus, but sometimes I just don't want to follow him. Or I want to do what God's asked me to do, but sometimes I just don't do what God's asked me to do. How many of you guys relate to that sometimes? Yeah? I feel like, man, I, I want to do this, but, but, but then I just don't. Well, Paul makes it a little bit more clear here in Romans chapter 7. He says that, Romans 7, 14, we know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do, for what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer myself. I am myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. Verse 18. For I know that good itself does not dwell in me. That is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. Now if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there beside me. Anyone ever felt that way? For in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Paul is talking about that struggle that is in each and every one of us. And what I found is that we have some camps in Christianity and, and is that we try to put off to the world that we have it all together, we have it all figured out. Or we're in this other one where we disqualify ourselves because we don't have it all together and we don't figure it out. And we think, one day I'm gonna kick this habit. I'm gonna be done with this and God's gonna use me. And while you're trying to get your life together, the world is falling apart. 
And while you're trying to go through life, trying to get it all together, the world is falling apart. Who told you that God could not use you in the middle of your progress? In the middle of your pain? Who told you that God couldn't use that? Who came to you and said, ah, God can't use that? Who came to you and said, yeah, you know what, you gotta get that figured out, you gotta get that right, and then maybe you can start serving, then maybe you can start witnessing, maybe then you can start talking to people about Jesus, maybe then you can go and be a, a witness for Christ. Once you fix all of that, but you have a choice to make. That pain, that thing that you're feeling, your pain will either be your prison or it will be your platform. It is your choice. It'll either be your pain or your, your prison or your platform. It is your choice. What are you going to do with that thing, that propensity that you have to dip back into the things of this world? What are you going to do with that propensity that you have to pick up the, the, the body that was laid to rest? You're, well, I'm just going to keep, I'm going to pick it, I'm going to put it back up, and I'm going I'm to walk. Well, Eli died a long time ago. Yeah, but I kind of like that. Can I tell you that God can use that? God can use that desire, that thing that God is using in your life. Can I tell you that thing that you have, God is using to keep you grounded to his grace. Paul said it like this, to keep me from being conceited, there was given me a thorn in my side. And God said, my grace is sufficient for you. Can I tell you, I don't care what you've done. I don't care where you've been going. I don't care what you did last night. Can I tell you today that God's grace is sufficient for you? that there's nothing you can do to earn it. There's nothing you can do. Well, I'm just gonna work it back. I'm gonna keep praying more. I'm gonna keep reading my Bible more. And then maybe one day, God will like me more. Maybe one day, God will listen to my prayer. Can I tell you that the one thing he wants from you right now is for you just to turn back to him? Don't gotta work your way back. That's what we talk about when we're talking about repenting. Repenting is just a simple word, turn. You gotta learn to turn. Because you've been walking away from God when you've been pursuing the sin. And God's saying, no, no, no. See, I can't help you there. You keep going after that. I'm not going to be able to help you. I'm not going to be with you. I just want to be with you. So you don't got to worry your way back to God because while you were running, he was following you all along. And so all you got to do is just turn and you'll find that he was right there all along. So you, oh, I got to work my way back to God. No, 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 no. It's a need for God. God keeps bringing you back to him. Understand to use that thing that what the devil meant for evil, God can use for good if you let him. I remember a time in my life when uh, I was feeling disqualified for some things, and I, I went to High uh, V, the good old High V over there at Shadow Lake. And uh, I went to go get some donuts because donuts are half off late in the evening because they're just going to throw them away. So I went to go get some half off donuts because I was going to bring them to school the next day for a, a Bible study we were having at school. And uh, I was sitting in my truck, and I see this old guy walking in. He's, I mean, uh, he was still fairly young, but he, he, was, he had white hair, white, white long hair, and a long white beard. And he was walking in, and I felt the Holy Spirit so clearly tell me, give him 20 bucks. I go, well, God, you ask a difficult thing. But nevertheless, if I'm in there and I see him, I'll give him 20 bucks. You know, I'm a high school student. I mean, $20 is a lot of money, you know, when you're 18 and you're in high school. And so I go into the store, and, you know, I'm just praying, like, God, I, you give me an opportunity to, to use me. And, and uh, initially, I was like, yeah, you know what, I'm going to give him 20 bucks. But at, at first, as I started to walk to the end of the store, I was like, why am I going to give him 20 bucks? All right, well, you know what, God, if I see him in the store, then I'll give him $20. And I go to the store, I get my donuts, and I'm going through some aisles. I'm kind of working my way through. And I see the guy down the aisle. 
And God says, go give him 20 bucks. And I see that he's got a case of beer, a 24-pack of Bud Light. And I go, God, he's just going to buy beer with it. Why should I give him $20? I could do much better with this $20 with myself. Why do I need to give him $20? All right, well, God, you know what? If I see him up again at the register, then I'll give him the $20. And so I go and I start checking out, and they're ringing me up, and, and guess who comes behind me? This same guy. Because God will give you time and time again to listen to him. And so I'm sitting there, and the Holy Spirit says, give him 20 bucks. I'm like, God, this is illegal now. I'm 18, and he's buying alcohol. I give him $20 in front of this cash, cashier. They're going to call the police because I am using, giving him money to buy, and they're going to think I'm, he's going to buy me alcohol. And God goes, give him 20 bucks. You should have listened when I told you the first time. <laughs> Fair enough. And I said, no, ain't going to do it. So I check out. I walk my donuts for my Bible study. Go study the word, not listen to the word. I'm just going to go study it. And I get in my truck, and I sit down in my truck, and I just feel this sorrow on me because I felt like I disobeyed God. Can I tell you that there's a sorrow from disobeying God and running to sin, and there can be a sorrow from just disobeying God? And I understand both of them. And I just sat in my truck, and I just started weeping. Oh, God, I'm so sorry that I, I didn't listen to you. And I said, God, just give me another chance. If you ever tell me again to do something, I pray that I would just do it, and I'll listen. How many of you guys ever prayed that before? God, I'll do it. Just tell me again. But I feel like with sin, it's the same thing. Well, I'll never do that thing again. God, I promise if, if you choose to love me again, quote, unquote, then I'll never do that thing again, only to do it again. But he's still graceful to you. And I said, God, just give me another chance someday. You know, if you tell me to do it, I pray that I won't refuse. And I start driving on the road, and I don't know how long I was praying for. It had to be a while, because guess who I saw half a mile down the road? The same dude walking on the side of the road. And you know what didn't happen? Holy Spirit didn't, Holy Spirit did not ask me to do anything. But I wasn't gonna pass up a moment to bring revival to someone's life. I wasn't gonna pass up a moment. So I pull to the side of the road and I go, hey, you need a ride? The guy goes, yeah, I'll, I'll take a ride. You know, kind of walks over to my truck, gets in. I can't remember his name. I gotta remember his name. It's in my journal. I gotta maybe I want to say it was uh, Gary or Randy or something. And uh, I, we get in the truck. I go, "Where are you going?" He goes, "Oh, I'm just going up the street. You know, another half mile up there. I'm staying in a motel." Oh, all right, cool. I'll drive you up there. And it's dead silent the whole way there. And I feel the Holy Spirit again tell me, "Give him twenty bucks." Go, all right. You know what? I told God I would never not listen to him again. So here I am. I'm gonna listen to him again. So we pull up to this motel, and he opens the door, and I say, wait, this may be weird, but I felt like God told me to give you $20, so here you go. And the man looked at me square in the face, and he said, thank you, and he reached and grabbed it, and the moment that he grabbed it, 
I felt the Holy Spirit download all sorts of things to me. I felt the Holy Spirit say, now tell him that I love him. Tell him that I know what he's going through. Tell him that I'm with him. Tell him that he's not alone. And I just sat there while we're holding the dollar and I said, what? God just, I felt like God told me to tell, me, tell you that he loves you, that he knows what you're going through, and that you're not alone, and that you never were alone. And the man is sitting there and he's staring at me and he just starts crying. And he just starts going, sobbing that, and he starts going, I know, I know now. I wish that you knew, and he says to me, I wish that you knew what I was about to go do. See, I'm staying at a hotel, and what I did is I, 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 I walked down to the high V because I wanted to get a bunch of alcohol because I wanted to drink myself into a, a state to where I could end my life in a hotel and my family wouldn't have to clean up my body. But you're saying that God loves me because this morning I was saying, God, if you don't want me to do this, just give me a sign that you're here. Just give me a sign that you're real. And here we are. I thought it was about $20. And God would say, no, it wasn't about the $20. It was about a person. What if you really believed that God's grace has gone before you? What if you really believed that every conversation you had, God had been working on that person all along, and he's just looking for a person to capitalize on a moment and turn it into a revival in someone's life? understand today that God has called you from grace. That it's not about anything you've done. It's not about anywhere that you are. That God is looking to use you right here, right now, in this moment, in this struggle, in this issue, in this sin. God is looking to use that for His righteousness. Don't disqualify yourself for something that God has qualified you for. It didn't make any sense to me, but I had to do something, and I can't, be, I can't prove it. I can't say, oh, I knew that this was gonna happen or anything like that. I prayed with the guy, we exited, we parted ways, and I saw a life get turned around. And I can tell you that we pass by people each and every day in our lives, in our workplaces, yeah. the grocery stores, the restaurants, where there's real broken, hurting people that were where you used to be. But I had to do something. If you've been having a bad day or you've been having a tough time, just do this with me. Just put your hand on your heart. Do you feel that? It's called your purpose. You're alive for a reason. So keep going. take your hand off your heart now. You can stand to your feet. We're closing. Understand today what I've seen is that as Christians, I've seen this, this, the longer that we walk with Jesus, the more aware of his grace you should become. I say this to, for all of the self-righteousness that we all have a tendency to dive into. That when we're saved, we're like, oh, hey, this is great. You know, we love Jesus. But then we start to develop an ego and start to think that it was something dependent upon us and something that we did to earn or deserve it. And someone once told me ego stands for edging God out. We're edging God out of our lives. 
Or when I was first saved, yeah, it was all God. But now that I've walked with Jesus a little bit, you know what? Yeah, it's God and a little bit of me, but now I've walked with Jesus a little bit more. Yeah, you know, God is good. But let me tell you about this cool story, or let me tell you about my story. And then we walk with Jesus for a little bit. Yeah, you know what? God is good, but let me give you 10 steps to save your life. But back in the day when he saved you from that miry pit you were in, it was all him. But it amazes me how we can go from being a person that was redeemed to being a person that didn't know God to judging the very same people that are where we used to be. God has called each and every one of us from grace. And it doesn't matter where you were, but don't forget where you came from. Because God has a purpose for each and every one of us. Some people are in a different part in their journey. Some people are in a different part. But you know what? We are all imperfect people in need of a perfect Savior. We are all that. There's nothing special about me here. There's nothing special about Darren here. He's one of my best buds, but there's nothing special about him. We all need Jesus. We all need him. Why is this important? Because there will become a time in your life where you will have a bad run. And if you haven't yet, you will. I see it in church. I see people come, they, they, they encounter God, and they're like, wow, Jesus is good. This is so great. I can't, I can't imagine what I'm feeling right now. This is incredible. Only a few weeks later to come into church and just have their, man, I don't even know if I want to come to church today because I know what I did, and I don't know if I'm, if I'm worthy to come in. Throw, leave that at the door. Leave that at the door because if he loved you yesterday, he loves you today, and he'll love you tomorrow. So leave it at the door. But we disqualify our, by ourselves, and then we're like, I'm not even going to go to church. You know, I just don't even know if, if, it, if, it's, if, it, if it's worth it. I don't even know if God will love me where I'm at. God will not give up on you because God paid a price for you. Why would God consider paying a price for you and not consider the outcome of it? Because God bought you with a price. And I want to share as a church, this is what we are to do in response to this. If God paid for us and we have a tendency to disqualify ourselves and we look back and we think, I don't know if I'm worthy of it, can I tell you that people have gone before you and that they have paved a way that also we're not worthy of it. In the book of Hebrews in chapter 11, it talks about all these people of faith and they're in the book of faith and every single one of them had a problem. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. Your Christianity pipe where you... <laughs> Yeah. All these imperfect people being used by God. Can I tell you, God wants to use that broken side. God wants to use that imperfect side. And so the writer of Hebrews, he talks about all these people of faith, and he's talking to a people that are looking to lose heart and looking to give up. And he says this in, in Hebrews chapter 12. And I love this. This is out of the message version. I love how he says it. He talks about all these people, and then he closes with this. He says, do you see what this all means? All these pioneers who blazed the way, all these veterans cheering us on, it means we better get on it, strip down, start running, and never quit. No extra spiritual fat, no parasitic sins. Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished this race we're in. Study how he did it, because he never lost sight of where he was headed that exhilarating finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way, cross, shame, whatever, and now he's there in the place of honor, right alongside God, where you find yourselves, when you find yourselves flagging in your faith, 
giving up, go over that story again, item by item, that long litany of hostility he plowed through that will shoot adrenaline into your souls. Understand today that no matter where you're at in your life, God will not give up on you. He has not given up on you. He will stay steadfast with you. So quit disqualifying yourself for what he has qualified you for. God hasn't. Why would God give up on you? It doesn't make any sense. Yeah, you sinned. Why would he give up on you? Why would the God that saved you fail you here? Why would the God that defeated death, hell, and the grave, why would he start with you? He's never lost a fight, ever. Why would he start with you? Why would he pay a price for you only to give up on you? Don't give up on yourself because God never gave up on you. So understand today that if he called you, he's going to be there to back you up. That if you fall into the fire, he's not going to abandon you in the fire. That the only things that are going to fall off are the ropes that had you bound. So as Christians, we can press on towards the mark of the high calling of God, knowing that his faithfulness is not contingent upon our righteousness, but his goodness. So as a church, as the body of Christ, would you lift up your hands today? And would you give honor where honor's due? God, we thank you that we're not worthy of it. God, that there's nothing we can do to earn it. God, would you freely gave your price, paid the price, and sent your son to set us free. So God, may we not throw it to the side. God, but may we run and run. Thank you so much for listening today. And we wanna give a special thank you to those that give so generously to My City Church. We wouldn't be able to do this without you. If you would like to give today, please hit the link in the description or go to our website at mycitychurch.cc forward slash give. And if you enjoyed today's podcast, please hit the subscribe button and share it on all of your social media. We love you so much. We'll see you next week. God bless.